It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. We have made it to episode number 156, and we have some familiar voices that have been lost in the shuffle here that are uh, we are welcoming back to the program, and we'll get to them in just a moment. We want to thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, to right here on BleedingGreenNation.com or on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you may be out there. Uh, and wherever you are listening to us, please rate, subscribe, review, do all those fun things. It helps grow the podcast the reviews have been outstanding thus far, and we appreciate that. We have some things in the works, most notably, of course, uh, as we've been saying for the past couple of weeks now, we are finally throwing a draft party. It is happening. It's going to be the first round exclusively. Uh, not only are you going to come down to Nick's Roast Beef, which is on 2201 Cotman Avenue. That's where we're going to be doing it and hanging out in South Philly, right in the heart of South Philly. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting live. You, that's right, you, get to be a part of the broadcast because we're going to be live the entire time. We're going to be going through uh, with just, you know, every prospect that comes off the board. We'll be talking about it. Ben Deton, uh, the two gentlemen that are here with me, Mr. James Seltzer. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Good, John. I'm happy that you finally forgiven me for posting that video of you that uh, I shouldn't have posted. I know the whole locker room was mad at me, but I'm um, happy to be back. <laughs> I never no, I the, D'Angelo Russell, man, what a dumbass. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Sorry to bring some basketball in, but I, you know, but no, it's been good, John. I, I, I moved. My brother got married. I, I've had a lot of, a lot going on. So it's nice to, uh, it's been producing, to be back on the, the BGN airwaves. It's been uh, producing the uh, midday show over at 97.5. The Fanatic doing a fantastic job over there as well. Uh, and uh, speaking to D'Angelo Russell, you know, Sam Hankey might get on the phone for that small plug for the Liberty Ballers and writes to Ricky Sanchez podcast there. 
Uh, draft party's going down May 17th, which I'm sure pretty much everybody will be down there uh, as well. It's going on at Xfinity Live. And I know uh, Matt Daring uh, is going to probably be down there for both as well. What's happening, buddy? How are you? Hey, it's good to be back. I love when a plan comes together, and I'm back here with the A-team. <laughs> uh, we're using Slack for the first time, so we're all very excited about that. We got all the notches coming Hold out. Hold up. Real quick, can I be, can I be Mr. T? Is that doable? Oh, no, it's totally doable. Um, I figured that was implied. I guess Brandon. Okay. I thought so too. <laughs> Patrick's face, obviously. I guess that makes me obviously. I'm Mur- pity the fool. Murdoch and uh, I don't know. I don't. I, was there any more characters? Other than that? I think that was just it. Anyway, uh, regardless of that there are uh, some other things happening. You might want to check out bgnradio.com. Uh, I'll just float that out there. That might be coming soon. A lot of different things in the works, but again, we just want to thank everybody for the continued support. We're going to have a lot of fun at the draft party. Uh, We're giving away Eagles tickets. We're going to have t-shirts that by the time you probably hear this, it will be made and posted and uh, everything will be out there for you to order and be ready to rock and roll. Also, just going on right now, if you just head on over to uh, at BG underscore radio, where you can find us on the Twitter.com. Just a small little contest. If you're listening to this on Friday, uh, April 1st, it's not an April Fool's joke. I promise this, that uh, there is a chance to win a $25 gift card to the Eagles Pro Shop. And we'll be doing that uh, once a month, uh, courtesy of our great sponsor over at Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. If you don't have Clip It by now, uh, you're a fool. What is uh, not foolish is ta- is continuing to talk about the NFL draft, and we have a jam-packed show uh, once again. We're going to have Mr. Matt Lombardo from 97.5 The Fanatic and NJ.com to talk to us just a little bit a bit about his article, the front office issues, and where he thinks the quarterbacks are going. We also have Jimmy Kemsky, who also has a different report, <laughs> who's going to join us a little later in the program, and we'll be talking about that. And all our, our good friend Ben Natan will be going heavy into the draft order here, guys. But, uh, James, let's start with you. We're going all, right off the top here. Uh, the Eagles have finally showed interest in a former Jaguar, so Mike K is ecstatically happy that he finally gets to connect the Jaguars and the Eagles uh, together, Stefan was Wisni- what is it again? Was this seven with Stefan was I can't get it out of my head. Leave, leave this in, leave this in. No, I'm totally leaving this in. Stefan Wolfsky was thank you. I'm not even going to try and attempt it again. Uh, but you know, was a I, from what I remember, James was I think they started him at center and then moved him to guard. But uh, uh he visited the Eagles today, nothing's beneficial i guess that's uh, another thing that they're trying to take off the board as far as need even though i do think that they're going to be still pretty heavy with the offensive line as howie roseman has said 400 times over but uh, uh any any thoughts on that at all well obviously i think uh, i'm happy for mike k that he can uh, get back involved <laughs> obviously i'm sure he might actually be fueling the the entire deal himself um, no, but look, uh, you know, look, if, if, if getting depth on the offensive line, a guy you can fill in, uh, would I rather have Stefan Wisniewski than Alan Barber? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Probably. Um, you know, so I, I think that he's nothing great. He's nothing special, but he's, you know, started 16 games last year for the Jags. Again, not special, not a very good offensive line there. Not like he's beating out uh, anyone super spectacular, but, you know, it's former second round pick. Um, not that old, you know, he's 27. So, so maybe he has some good years in front of him. Look, I think it's fine as a depth thing. I don't think you're going to see them, uh, invest a lot of money into it. In, in which case, I think the entire, uh, uh, De- Delaware Valley region, Philadelphia Eagle nation can, can get behind more offensive linemen. Right. I think we've had that conversation to, uh, uh, to ad nauseum. So well, yeah, I, it's fine. 
I think it's a fine move if they if they decide to sign the guy. <laughs> and Matt, I'm I'm just checking the timeline right now, and and wouldn't you know it, everybody loves this loves this move already. <laughs> so you know, of, of of course they do. So Guardy McBeef uh, times two in Philadelphia, Matt. Yeah, and he's not all that beefy. I don't think. I think he's a pretty small guy. Uh, yeah, he went to he's, Penn State. He's more slender. It's more of a you know three oh five. That's not a nothing crazy there. Yeah, he's there's not a lot of beef. beef. Yeah, it's a shame. I don't know if we can like him as much. Um, yeah, no, I went to Penn State. I remember him being, he was an academic All-American. I think he's got a reputation as being a pretty heady guy. It's a lot of bloodlines. His dad played in the NFL for a long time for the Raiders, I think. So uh, I don't really think, do we have a backup center with David Mulk retiring? Uh, I and don't believe so. So, no, you know, actually, that, yeah. that would make sense to me too because we don't really have anybody who can play center. I mean, the guards we have now, none of them really have any center playing experience. In fact, most of them are converted tackles. So I would think that, you know, just having a veteran backup center would probably be a good thing. I don't even know. I mean, that doesn't exactly rate even for being active on game days, but you know, if this is the direction they want to go in for that position, I'm sure that they have no problem getting a guy like this. Yeah. And I didn't even realize he actually speaking to the Raiders. He started his career there for the first three years. I don't even know that he, uh, I don't even know if he started there, but hey, you know, depth signing for sure. He did, actually. It looks like he's, uh, I mean, he, it looks like he has started 77 games of 77 that he's played. He missed a couple games due to injury, uh, but he started all 77 games he's ever played in the league. So, okay. that's something. Well, there you go. So, uh, at least there's some of that uh, back there. Obviously, not a world beater. But moving on to more important things, and it's just been, you know, look, I'm a, I am a big fan of, of dinner pictures. I, I take them when uh, I'm out and uh, when other famous people are eating. I don't know if I've, I've really done that before, but uh, somebody last night decided and randomly just like happened to be in North North Dakota, hanging out with Carson Wentz, uh, whining and dining all the QBs here, Matt. Uh, the Wentz, golf, taking a look at Kevin Hogan. They've taken a look at just pretty much everybody else in the sun. Christian Hackenberg is now being named in there. They have Dak Prescott on the list. They're definitely drafting a quarterback. I think that's... That's for sure. I, the, the one thing on everybody's mind in the big discussion all week has been, are you are they really going to trade up for him? You've heard Adam Schefter say things. You've heard a ton of people saying they're going to be very aggressive here. I, I, you know, I don't. I guess that I always never understand the reasoning of like, well, if uh, if the Eagles think he's uh, he's the next franchise quarterback, then they got to go get their guy. But if they don't think so, then they shouldn't take him. Like, <laughs> no shit, of course. But in in, in my mind here. I, I just don't see why on earth you would trade up for any of these guys and you would just allow the draft to kind of come to you. But I get the sense that the Eagles probably aren't going to do that if they're if, if it makes sense, though. That's not a question. <laughs> I'm not asking you a question. I'm having a discussion. Uh, OK, um, I I guess I agree. I mean, I'm not I'm not enthused with any of these guys. Uh, I do think it's interesting that I mean, look, they're they're rolling out the red carpet. They're not just rolling out the red carpet for you know your top tier guys or even your second tier guys. I mean, Kevin Hogan is a shitty player, and they went yeah. and saw him in person anyway to just check out how that was. Oh man, um, Fran Duffy had a great quote about him, and he was quoting someone else. So this is this is third hand content you're getting from here from <laughs> me. So stay right here for more of this. But he said that Kevin Hogan throws like he's trying to throw a pumpkin over a fence. <laughs> and, and I, I can't stop thinking about a guy trying to throw a pumpkin over a fence. But um, so, so um, anyway, I, I, uh, I mean, these are not these are not all the top tier guys. I think that in the past, you know, they do have like a pretty established history of 
of allocating a lot of resources towards quarterback, you know, even from chip and even before that, you know, they did have a lot of spent a lot of time talking to quarterbacks and trying to see, you know, what they could do uh, as far as that stuff goes. Uh, I don't know if it's ever been at this point, but I also don't think that this is that much, you know, this is not exactly ratcheted up 15 levels. This is like maybe two clicks higher than, you know, sort of how things used to be done um before i guess last year being the being the outlier but they always used to you know waste their 30 visits on these guys they always used to uh go and see a lot of these guys in person you know head coach would be doing all this stuff and everybody would be doing all this stuff and um so i think that you know for their part uh i don't really know that i this to me does not signal that they're like overly interested or that this is like their first round draft plan. And then again, of course I could be way off because they could fall in love with one of these guys, but I don't think that, I mean, this to me doesn't seem like they're itching to force the pick if that's what the people are concerned about. And I have seen a lot of people sort of concerned about that, that like, this is what they're doing. I think this is more just a case of, all right, we have like this position and this position is, this is the face of our franchise. This is like a, a very intense position on and off the field, you know, in the locker room, all that stuff. We want to go and we want to get to know these guys and see what sort of addition they might be to our franchise. And uh, to me, I don't know. I guess I have a hard time getting too, too worked up over it, especially given, you know, like I said, that they're not just like zeroed in on one guy or two guys or three guys. This is like, this is a broad spectrum. And I bet, you know, stuff will continue to see, you know, we'll continue to see this sort of stuff happen. You know, they've got a visit with Hackenberg lined up. I'm sure that they're going to go and probably try to work out Connor Cook and Jacoby Brissett and, you know, a whole cast of characters just flying all over the place and racking up a ton of miles. But um, I, to me, I guess I'm not really ready to say like this to me is their plan. Yeah, I think they're just like I was saying, I think they they're they are definitely going to take a quarterback and they're just trying to figure out when when would be the best time. Is this guy going to be better than what's in the first round? Is this guy going to be better than, you know, what we're what we're projecting in the third round or whoever's going to be there? Do they move up to the second for this guy, et cetera, et cetera. But I, it's obviously I think another popular thing here, James, is like due diligence. I don't see that happen. I don't see that at all. This isn't due diligence. This is who are we drafting a quarterback? Do you get that sense too? Oh yeah, they're taking a quarterback. I'm with you a hundred percent. I I do agree with Matt when he says that I don't think that you know people should panic when they you know fly out to see Goff and fly out to see Wentz and and go see Paxton Lynch. I think that you know they are going to go see everyone they can, and they're not going to you know, make the mistake of potentially missing on someone like that if he's there or if he's within their reach. I certainly don't think they're going to go out and trade a bunch to move up. I don't buy that. I think that kind of goes against what they've said, what they've done this offseason so far. And I think it would, would kind of, you know, kill a lot of the goodwill they've engendered with those moves if they were to give up significant assets, like what it would take to move up. If you want to move up to the top two picks, it's going to take, you know, another first and, and a second, maybe or a third or whatever. I mean, there's going to be it's a hefty cost. Um, so so I don't I don't think that's something they're certainly looking to do. But look, you don't know how the draft's going to play out. If, if Goff or Wentz falls to you at eight, you have to be ready to say, is this my guy? Can he be my guy? And and I think that's fair. But I, I certainly I, I don't think I think they're planning on drafting a quarterback. I think I think it's far more likely it's going to be one of those two third round picks. I think it might be more of a smoke screen. Uh, I have no problem with it. But if they do trade assets to move up to get one of these two guys, I, I would have a problem with it. 
simply because I, I think that we see this every draft off, you know, every draft season where a lot of these guys kind of get catapulted maybe a little bit higher than they should be because there's a dearth of, of quarterbacks in the league and, and of good prospects coming in. So, you know, you get a year like a Winston and a Mariota where, where everyone agrees those are kind of transcendent type prospects. These two guys are, are not that, at least coming in. They might turn out to be great, who knows, but you're not getting, you know, you know, to all-time great comparisons with these guys. You're getting Joe Flacco with Wentz and and, and things like that. So who knows what they're ultimately going to going to become? And and that's obviously the the gift in in what people are doing there. But uh, I'd be I'd be really really surprised if they if they mortgage somewhat of their future to move up and get those guys. Well, I can't even think of what they would be able to give up, even even so, if they wanted to. You know, are they really going to spend the, both their third round picks to move up two more spots? Are they going to try and leapfrog Chip Kelly out of uh, you know to get golf or whoever ends up going there? I I still don't think Wentz falls past the Browns, but I would be shocked to do that. It's kind of like you know, like what are in your opinion, James? You said you wouldn't give give that up, right? You wouldn't give up anything to move up in the again in the first round, correct? Yeah, especially just considering the caliber of guy you're going to get at eight if you stay at eight, no matter what happens. You know, there, there's just too much talent in that, you know, top 10 there where if, if you're going to, you know, give up assets and move up and take one of these quarterbacks, you're, you're not only giving up those assets, but you're also missing out on, on a, a, you know, potential legitimate, you know, piece at another position where you have a need still. So, uh, yeah, I would I would be... I'd be disappointed if they did that. And look, you know, if, if look, if golfer Wentz ends up being, you know, that guy and, and carries your team to that title or becomes the next franchise quarterback. Sure. It, anything's worth it. But I feel like the risk on these guys is a lot higher than if you had traded up, you know, to, to, you know, last year, if you were in the eighth spot and you traded up to try and get Winston or Mariota, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I got to disagree. I mean, well, I got to halfway disagree. I think that <laughs> when we're talking about, well, I, I'll, I'll explain. I yeah, continue. Yeah. Um, I think that when we talk about, uh, you know, trading up for these guys, what we want to do is we want to trade up for like a blue chip player. And I understand that quarterbacks get pumped up a little bit. And I don't know if either of these guys is a blue chip player. Eh, none of, neither of them really do it for me, you know. But um, I would think that if you're talking about trading up for one of these like four or five blue chip players that's in this class, I would absolutely give up assets for that. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about like somebody other than the quarterbacks, but if oh, we're talking I, about somebody, that's different. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. Yeah, keep going. I'm sorry, but if you're talking about trading up, trading up for like Jalen Ramsey or oh, something, yeah, I'm I'm more yeah, involved in too. that conversation. I just didn't want to. I want to make that clear. But like, finish your point. But yeah, I'm talking about for these two quarterbacks. Right yeah, now. and so they're not really blue chip to me. But if we're talking about somebody like Jalen Ramsey or Ezekiel Elliott or Laramie Tunsil or uh, Miles Jack or. Um, you know, maybe Joey Bosa, depending on how you feel. But if you're talking about somebody who you really, really believe is, you know, a, a game breaker playmaker at the position that he plays in the game that he plays, um, I think that uh, that to me is worth giving up even more assets. You know, we already gave up those whoop the assets of uh, Brian Maxwell and Kiko Alonso to get where we are today. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if we're talking about giving well, and I guess I'll put this one to you guys, but if we're talking about moving up to, say, four you know, or even five, five would guarantee or four would guarantee that one of these four players of Elliot, Jack, Ramsey and Tunsil is there. You know, that is what it is. There, there have been three guys picked. So the fourth guy has to be there. So, um, would, what would you give up? I, I, I would think that, look, if it costs a third this year, I would absolutely give that up. Uh, I would start to think that, you know, maybe even giving up some assets from next year, that might be worth it to me. If I really felt like one of these guys was going to help my team, 
win a lot of games. Um, I think that I would have no trouble trading up for one of those four guys. But I guess I'm curious what you guys think. What would you give to uh, to trade up, you know, say to four? I would absolutely. I, third is a no-brainer for sure. I think you're going to have to do that. If you could somehow hang on to both, that'd be great. And then probably a second rounder next year. You know? Yeah, I, I think I, that's I, a minimum. I think that's a minimum right there. I think you're going to have to give up a second and a third to do that minimum. But, and, and yeah, and I think that there's, I think if, I, I don't even know if that's going to get it done. But that, I, I I don't know. That's probably going to be my limit, though. Like, because you're going to find you're going to find somebody there at eight that's that's worth that taking. One of those guys, I think, will be around at least. You hope so. But again, this is one of those things where it's just like I'm not sure. Just like last year, I'm not sure where anybody's going to go. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it, it's 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 very like uh, where's this going? Where's that going? You're going to start. I mean, it's already ramping up a little bit. You're going to get into into some heavy uh, rumorville type of stuff in the next week or so, but. Yeah, I, don't, I think that would – I'm not sure. Let's let's move that and say, okay, non-quarterback there, James. Are you pulling the, Are you willing to give up another first-rounder next year for any of those – maybe those top four guys, whether that's Jack or Ramsey? Um, we'll say even to secure Ezekiel Elliott, which I don't think anybody would be on board with because they don't like drafting a running back high anyway and then you give up uh, something for next year. We'll leave him off the table, but maybe those top four guys. So Tunsil, Ramsey, Miles, Jack, I think – I would I would have to consider giving up another first rounder next year, but again, it's you don't know what's going to come into the next draft class. You don't know where they're going to be at, so it's it's one of those tough decisions. Of like, it, it depends if this team, if you think this team is going to be good or even better with those guys in there, and they can immediately impact the this season next year to where you're going to be drafting down in the twenties. I, I I think I I would be, but that's you know an unobtainable answer at this point. Yeah, I can't give up my first rounder next year for that. Uh, I'm sorry. I I think that this team, this team, I mean, and I just don't think they will. I I think that they've made a very clear point that, you know, we're going back to building through the draft. This is what we do, you know, and I don't, I don't see them being willing to give up a first rounder next year to move up when it seems like there are a lot of quality pieces who could still be available at eight. I mean, I, I get, and then also I don't, I mean, we're also basing it on our view of, of who these top four guys are. I mean, they might not like Tunsil that much more than Stanley. I mean, they probably do. I, I think most people do, but I think that they're, you know, there still could be things where they think that maybe, you know, Vernon Hargreaves is, is almost as good as Jay or has the potential to be almost as good as Jalen Ramsey. Even if everyone doesn't think that it's hard to gauge. So I think that, that, there's enough good prospects there at eight where sitting there and, and like you just said, John, if they take Zeke, if they trade up for Zeke at four, where I look and I love Zeke, I'm all about take Zeke at eight. I I'm to, if they take Zeke at eight, I will be, I, I will be happy. I'm totally down, but if they trade up and trade an asset to, to get Zeke, I think the city might burn. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think, I, I think giving up a first next year, it feels like a little too much to me. If you can find a really good value, if they, if, if you can, you know, get up to five to get the guy you wanted more than anyone else in the draft and, and only give up maybe one of those thirds and like a, a, a third next year or best a second next year and you feel like it's a it's a big time, big time upgrade over what you have, fine. But I, I'm more in the camp that, like you said, John, that I don't think you can guarantee that you're going to be good enough this year to to not have that first round pick be at least, you know, in the teens, uh, you know, or, or, or maybe 10, 11 or something like that where it's, got some legitimate value in, and then you'd be giving up two players in that range for that one guy. Yeah, And I think that's the only real, at least it, we always say quarterbacks really the only one that's going to change your win total for the next year for the most part. So 
I think that's that unless they're going to do that and they they guarantee that uh, that's that guy's going to start, but then you also have Bradford here and Peterson saying that they want to sit. So I, I really do think as as much as you're hearing aggression, and trust me, I don't I don't want them to freaking you know spend a first round or whatever to move up and get Zeke. I'm I'm fine with whoever kind of falls into there at that point. But yeah, I I, I just <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be another interesting draft season to see uh, where this thing kind of goes here. Uh, but f- before we get too far into this, I just wanted to uh, just tell you one more time about Clip It. Uh, guys, when I say it's the hottest app that it's out there, it, it really is. I mean, like, there is this is a lifesaver. It is no longer vining against the computer screen. It's no longer vining against those ugly, you know, wobbly lines when you're po- holding up to the television for highlights. They have the NFL Network now, which is going to be huge for the draft. You can, you know, make all sorts of different clips uh, coming through there when players are announced. For the uh, NCAA championship game that's going to be coming up this weekend, you see a a top 10 play, you want to send it to SportsCenter, it is there. Uh, At ClipItTV on Twitter, of course, they have it for the, uh, in the Apple Store for your Android, it is ready to rock and roll. Uh, It's TV, watch it, clip it, and share it. It is just that easy. Before we get into more discussion, I want to welcome in our first guest from NJ.com, also over at 97.5, the fanatic who had a pretty interesting story this week. And uh, we'll talk to him right now about it. It's Mr. Matt Lombardo. Matt, what's going on, buddy? How are you? John, thanks for having me on the pod. Glad to finally be here, my man. Yeah, you great work. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I we appreciate that. It's been uh, it's been too long to get this thing together, but you know we've been talking this week basically. But I know you're a big fan of the due diligence, and that's why the Eagles are kind of pursuing all these guys. That's why they're going out to see golf and Kevin Hogan whining and diving and uh, you know Carson Wentz out here, but. I'm beginning to think is it, has your opinion changed on that? All I think they're, I mean, I, I know I think they're pretty much in on it. Yeah, John, I, there are really two schools of thought here. Number one is they're, they're sitting there at number eight, so there is that possibility that either Jared Goff or Carson Wentz falls to them or falls within a realistic range to move up. I'm talking maybe picks five through six because you're going to need to get ahead of Chip Kelly at number seven. And we all know Howie Roseman will be rubbing his hands together and salivating him at the opportunity to, you know, win one over on Chip one final time. But but you look at this situation, and to me, it wouldn't shock me if they do try to move up. But my general feeling is that they want to have all of their bases covered. They want to dot all the I's, cross all the T's. That's why they're holding these private workouts. That's why they're taking these prospects out to dinner, just in case one of them happens to be available at number eight. But as you and I both know, teams do crazy things when it comes to the quarterback position. And I think that it's really unrealistic to think that with all of this hype that's slowly building for Goff and Wentz, two very mediocre quarterback prospects in any other class, it's very outside the box to think that one of those guys is going to fall because, you know, teams like the Jets, teams like the Broncos, teams that are desperate for quarterback help, they're going to try to move up. They're going to try to make a play to land them because we all know desperate teams that do desperate things for quarterbacks. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting this year, too, and I know we're we're probably going to talk about this a little later in the show as well. Is just like I'm not sure. I have no idea what the other teams are going to do. I don't know what Tennessee's going to end up doing. I think the Browns are probably locked in on a quarterback, and that's been reported kind of everywhere. But do you get that sense, too, where it's just like, even with the Eagles, because there are, I think there are those those blue-chip guys there, um, and I, I think they'd be willing to pretty much take any one of them. I don't see them trading back at all, even though it seems to be a, a popular opinion. But isn't it kind of crazy this year that 
no one really knows and it, it happened happened a little bit last year too that no one really knows what the Eagles are going to do other than yes they are interested in a quarterback do you have any other thoughts on what do you think besides the quarterback position that they're really targeting here yeah, I, I think, John, that they're, they're really in the catbird seat here. And as far as teams that are desperate for quarterbacks, don't forget about Dallas. It, it would not surprise me in the least for Dallas to pick up the phone and call Tennessee and, and offer the farm, the boat, the Ferrari, and the deed to Jerry World just to move up to, to land Carson Wentz or to ensure that they get the quarterback they desire. And the Eagles, if, if they want a quarterback and one happens to make it past the Cowboys and and it's either Goff or, or Wentz that's still on the board. Yeah, I could see them trying to make a play to move up. I don't think they have the ammunition to go all the way up to number one. That, that would cost a King's ransom. It would probably cost more than the Washington Redskins, who went from six to two to draft Robert Griffin the third. But, but I think that if it's not a quarterback, the best-case scenario for the Eagles is that both of those guys are gone, and that means that two elite blue-chip prospects, two more start tumbling their way. Maybe a guy like Vernon Hargraves is in play. Maybe somebody like Miles Jack, if the board falls just the right way, will be there. If they like Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not a fan of taking a running back that high, but if they believe Ezekiel Elliott is their guy at number eight, there's a chance he falls further if both quarterbacks are off the board. So, so John, when I look at this thing, sitting there at number eight, moving up from number 13, I think Howie Roseman has positioned the Eagles to be in one of the best positions in this entire draft. Yeah, and and I'm still trying to figure out how exactly they would move up and what that would cost, but I guess that's part of the show and we'll see it. But speaking of draft boards and moving up, one of the bigger reasons why we had you on here is because I know people are sick of talking about Chip Kelly. I, I get it, but I think it's important to learn exactly what was happening during this time last year or even the past couple of years. Uh, you had a little birdie was, was telling you about the draft board and actually Chip Kelly being more or less the responsible pick of Marcus Smith. And I think that's been going back and forth ever since he was drafted. <laughs> Who's taking responsibility for it? Uh, Roseman kind of fell on the sword here, but w- I guess you talk about that a little bit. And also just like, what is, uh, what, what's going on in the, in the front office right now? Who's in charge of this thing? Yeah, yeah John, as far as the Chip Kelly time period goes, even before he had autonomy, he had autonomy. And my source told me that even before he took the job, he had his concerns about working alongside Howie Roseman. And if you remember, he initially turned down their overtures to become the head coach and come here from Eugene, Oregon. And it was only once he convinced Tom Gamble to join him in Philadelphia that he took the job. So there's a little nugget for the pod that wasn't included in the story. But once draft night came along, as early as the first draft, it wasn't just 2014, but in 2013, Chip Kelly's first draft in the months leading up to draft night, he walked into the room, looked at the board. And according to my source, who is a former uh, high ranking personnel executive in the organization, no longer with the Eagles, but was there during Chip Kelly's first two drafts, Chip walked in, looked at the board. And if there was a name that he didn't like, or he wasn't interested Without even asking the opinion of the scouts, he pulled off the board and threw it in the trash. Now, of course, coaches always have input, but typically in the NFL, when it comes to building the board, the scouts will build it first based on their evaluations and their interviews with the players and watching tape and watching games and feedback from coaches. And then the coaches will step in, go back, watch film, and come back and they'll reconstruct the board together. But with Chip, almost immediately, he had autonomy. And that takes us all the way to the Marcus Smith draft. And the indication I got was that 
it wasn't unanimous, and that this is a pick that has Chip Kelly's fingerprints all over it, even though, as you pointed out, Howie Roseman did publicly fall on the sword for the pick. Well, we all know it wasn't unanimous, and I think this is one of these stories where we might be debating who exactly took Marcus Smith for quite some time. Yeah, and no, I know, and I, I think that they're at the end of the day, I think they're both full of shit, and that's like that, that's where I come into the end of this because like there's, and I get that, and he might have done that, but why sit him then? You know, like why was he out? It, there's so there's so many different. Although I, I'm yeah, I'm not discrediting your source at all. That's that's uh, that's a, probably a lot, and everybody's heard that they, just, you know, that's how he kind of ran the draft board. If it didn't fit, it it, it didn't fit. So I'm. And, I'm, and the bottom line is, John, it, it's a dysfunctional organization, or at least it was. It was a dysfunctional setup right from the jump. And I think that the biggest takeaway from the story, outside of you know the obvious headline of Chip Kelly taking the, the hard work of the scouting department and basically throwing it in the trash at his first opportunity. The biggest takeaway is that here are two very immature individuals, two individuals that never step up and legitimately take the blame or responsibility for anything. And they butted heads and it's not really a surprise when you kind of peel back the curtain and get a look at what it was really like within that organization that Chip Kelly is no longer here. And I do get the sense that this is how he rose in time and he needs to prove himself that, he can put together a winning lineup, a winning roster, or he's going to want to go on the clock similarly to how he and, and Jeffrey Lurie put Chip on the clock before firing him last year. Yeah, and I think this is the last question we'll have for you here, Matt, is that, like, I, I think you and I both have the same sense that it seems like, at least, Jeffrey Lurie is much more involved and is much more of a decision maker this year, maybe to not allow those things to get out of control. I'm not trying to overreact to the fact that you know, he's having dinners with everybody. I think that's what the owner does, especially when you're trying to make uh, or make sure that you're not passing on a franchise quarterback or getting one. You're whining and dining them. You're trying to figure them out. But, you know what, is there too many cooks in the kitchen right now? Because, I, 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 again, we can say Howie Roseman's in charge all we want, but there's clearly he's been listening to Peterson and Schwartz and everybody else. Not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but who who do you think is running the show right now? Yeah, John, as far as the Jeffrey Lurie angle goes, I think that he's always been more involved than any of us in the public have believed. But that took on a much larger role last year. It took on he took on a much more hands on approach to to being an owner as he saw that situation deteriorate as quickly as it did last season. And I do think that he's not a, a Jerry Jones, Daniel Snyder type of an owner. But I do think that he's starting to lean more of center in that direction than towards the, the Rooney family and, and the, uh, why I, the Robert Kraft yeah. hands off, let the football guys handle the football operations, you know, scale of ownership. I, I don't know about there being too many cooks in the kitchen, but I do know that Jeffrey Lurie has, he has been the architect of this power structure, the many failed power structures over his 20 year ownership. And I think that we're starting to see both the fruits of that labor and some of the pitfalls of, of structuring your organization that way. And I do think that he's going to have input. I don't think it was completely a joke when he raised his hand at Doug Peterson's introductory press conference when it was asked who has final say on draft night. But I also believe that this is Howie Roseman's show, and it's going to be run at least in the lead up to the draft as a more traditional structure where the scouts will meet with the coaches, they'll get together, they'll collaborate, and ultimately – 
on draft night, it will be Roseman who who picks up the phone and puts the name on the card. Well, uh, it'll be a lot uh, less uh, easier to screw up, uh, you know, pick eight than pick twenty. So I, I guess it's either either way. We'll uh, we'll have to look forward to it on draft night. Matt Lombardo from uh, 97.5 The Fanatic, and of course NJ.com. We appreciate the time, bud. Thanks for joining the pod. John, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can do it again soon. So, of course, after I'm I'm done talking to Matt, uh, <laughs> there is uh, Jimmy Kemsky comes out from PhillyVoice.com and says, actually. I've heard that's not true. So I wanted to get his perspective on this and what the Eagles might be doing later in the draft. So back to back, uh, a little bit of surprise here, and we're happy to have him, Mr. Jimmy Kemsky from the Philly Voice. Jimmy, what's happening, bud? How are you? Good, John. How are you? I'm good. So you're you're saying no, like Chip did not come in and ruin the draft board, and at least the, to your knowledge, right? I mean, this just this is just kind of what you, you would you would think coming from somebody in the Howie camp. Yeah, well, no, uh, I don't think it's coming from the Howie camp. But um, this, the job of a scout is to do player evaluations. Now, the player evaluations then go to the decision makers who, you know, read and digest the evaluation, and then they make their decision. So, so coaches and general managers and decision makers aren't always going to, you know, their opinions aren't always going to align with scouts. And a lot of times, if Kelly, you know, had strong opinions on certain players, and a lot of those usually had to do with character concerns. So, you know, I had at one point, I forget if this was 2013 or 2014, but I reported kind of early on in the process that Sean Trell Henderson, offensive tackle, eventually got drafted by the Bills. It was just off their board. And he wound up going. It was a highly rated prospect at the time. Going on like the seventh round, so he's eliminating players throughout the entire process. It's not like he, you know, just strolled into the into the you know the war room at six p.m. on draft night, and he and Ed Manalis are tossing nameplates up in the air and speed shooting. I mean, it's just that just didn't happen. And the source that I, you know, that you know that I got in contact with told me flat out, totally untrue. So you know, while I can I can absolutely see where scouts are frustrated with, you know, may, may have been frustrated with the way that, you know, Chip Kelly just kind of dismissed maybe that, you know, some of the, like the work that they have done or, or, you know, they really like the player and, and Chip just disagreed and said, nope, out of here. I can understand that, but it's not like, like just before the draft, he just started tossing names at the trash can. Totally untrue. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I Well, that's just what I was telling Matt too. I just, it just sounds like there is a lot of, the both, both like chips yeah, no, full no, of shit. Nothing gets mad here, by the way. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, certainly a, a former scout could have been just been mad at Chip and you know popped off. Yeah, but you know, like, but that's it. Just it just it just flat out didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I I just feel like this whole back and forth process is. You know, it, 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 Chip's obviously lying about a, a ton of things. So is Howie at some point. Well, you know. I, I don't think anybody really cares anymore as far as what is true and what is not true. What people do care about actually is, I, you know, we, 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 I think as far as like Eagles fans are concerned, we are all stuck in the first round, rightfully so. It's kind of amazing that they moved up five spots. But it, outside of the first round and the, the QB frenzy that has been happening this past few weeks, I mean, do you have any sense of what they're going to do later? Uh, what would Or I guess more or less what would you want them to do later as opposed to the first round? They're going to go heavy offensive line. I think clearly. I don't think, they're not going to go offensive line in the uh, in the first round, uh, in my opinion. Um, sort of half opinion, half, uh, half, half uh, info there. Um, <laughs> a lot of people have kind of connected Ronnie Stanley to the Eagles in the first round. 
And from what I hear, he's rated very similarly to guys like Jack Conklin and Taylor Decker from Ohio State. So you mentioned the Eagles moving up from 13 to 8. Very good chance that, you know, at least one of those three guys is going to be available at 13. So for them to move up to 8 doesn't really make much, much sense if, you know, they have those three guys rated similarly, assuming their thinking is in line with the rest of the league. And typically there isn't much variance from team to team when you're talking about like the top 10 to 15 players in the draft. I don't see Ronnie Stanley as a, as, a, as a real option at pick number eight. However, when you look at the depth in this draft in terms of the offensive line and actually Howie Rosen was even asked at the owners meeting, uh, you know, what two positions are the deepest in this draft? He identified defensive tackle and offensive line. And he said there are more offensive linemen on their draft board this year than in, uh, than, you know, the, I, forget, I, I, forget, I remember he said the, the number of years, but, he said it's the most, most, most offensive line that they've had on their draft board in years. So, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good indication that they're going to go uh, offensive line heavy in numbers in round three and beyond. And I kind of agree. I, I think this is a, a kind of a, a very good offensive line draft, but I don't think you'll see one in the first round. And I know it's, you know, it's very heavy smoke season as far as the draft's concerned here. Uh, you have Adam Schefter and a bunch of other people saying that the Eagles are going to be aggressive. Do you lean on more that that's true or is that, is that just smoke? They're going to draft a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty that's clear. Obvious. Yeah. I mean, Doug Peterson said early in the process, and I'm, and it was, this was kind of like an under-the-radar type of interview, too, but he said that, you know, they wanted to draft a quarterback and, and develop him. And then Jeffrey Lurie just said, the owners meeting flat out. We're going to draft a quarterback, and that'll be our third quarterback. <laughs> so it's not a matter of are they going to draft one. It's just a matter of who and when are they going to get him. Yep, and that's, uh, you know, I, I think we've all stated our opinion earlier in the show that, we're a little apprehensive about moving up for one of these guys at eight, but we'll just have to wait and see. April 28th, Jimmy, it's uh, coming right around the corner. We appreciate the time as always, but thanks for joining us right here on BGN Radio. Eagles are, Eagles are never, uh, they never leave us wanting for uh, for content and discussion. That's, that's exactly right. Thank God for the page views uh, and, and everything else. We appreciate it, Jimmy. Thanks, pal. Thanks a lot. So uh, thank you to Jimmy Kemsky for, and Matt Lombardo for both for uh, joining us. Uh, on the podcast, and we appreciate their time as always. Before that, we were just kind of going back and forth between, you know, what what are you going to give it up for, for a certain player? I think we're all in agreement, yeah, for those top four guys. You might be willing to pay some of the price there, and I don't think you'll need to use a first-rounder, but that is probably the limit on which we would do um, to make uh, to make a serious impact. But, you know, Matt, what, what would you be willing to, if Zeke's going to go early, say the Cowboys want him. Say the Cowboys want him at four, uh, which usually means... In my opinion, it was one of those one of those top four might slip down. So I don't I don't know. But what would you be willing to do to secure uh, Ezekiel Elliott at eight? I think we're kidding ourselves if we think he's going to last much towards eight. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Boy, I I would really be I would not be surprised at all if first of all if any of those top couple of teams bailed and somebody else traded up to get him. That would not surprise me at all. And I guess we could sort of be like, well, we dodged a bullet there, but I don't know. I think that like, if you think he's waiting, if you think he's lasting till late, I think that you're uh, way off the mark there. Um, I would probably give up a fair amount, you know? Um, I guess I look back at, uh, I don't even know what's been out there recently, but like, all right, I would start with a third rounder. I would probably start with an, you know, an early rounder next year, maybe not a first rounder, but you know, I might go. I might go a second rounder. That would say, like, uh, you know, getting rid of another second round pick. But uh, that to me would um, definitely ensure that we could get what we wanted. 
And I think that if you're talking about somebody and and let's face it, this offense really struggled and you might feel like that was coaching and it probably was. This team was not well coached last year. But if you're talking about getting more points on the board, no one's going to help you more than Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you know, what if Bradford comes out next year and he just still can't make good on it? You know, then where are you? Uh, you know, so if you want this offense to run through something, it's not running through Ryan Matthews. Like, and if it is like, boy, that's not a good plan. It's not a good plan at all. That is not like, that's not competent team building right there because, uh, if the passing game can never get going and the running game is Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles, and then some other guy, you know, I don't know to me that that doesn't really inspire a ton of confidence because, you know, you're not having Darren Sproles carry the, the ball 20 times a game. And if Ryan Matthews keeps getting hurt, which he's done like every year of his career, you're going to have somebody out there carrying the ball 20 times a game. Or I guess you could just throw the ball 50 times a game. So to me, I think that I would give up a fair amount to try to get this offense back on track because I miss offense. I miss scoring points. And I don't mean like weird accidental scoring points like we've seen for the last couple of years. I miss like actually having some competency, some identity and some like performance on offense. And to me, I would give up a lot to see that. Uh, especially because it's not my draft pick, so go nuts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, James, is there anybody? I mean, like we've, I think we've, we've rung in Ezekiel Elliott because it makes sense. It just keeps making more and more sense uh, each and every week, even though there's like, I think it's very uh, bipolar as far as like, oh my god, you're an idiot for drafting it that high. And remember, it's just like Ricky Williams. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's all this kind of stuff that gets recycled through here. But um, is there anybody else besides Elliott that you would? want to guarantee that the Eagles get to and to, to give up, I guess, assets for this year and next year to grab here. No, I'm not. <laughs> not no, really? to go the other way. no, like, look, I, I, well, I'm I, more I, I about tell you the, what, I'll tell you what, I'll ask you. Um, no, here's the thing. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think I do it with, for Zeke. Like, I, I think that there are enough guys that I'd be happy with at eight that I don't want to give up future assets for. Like, I don't think they need to move up right now. I think they have a lot of holes on this team and they, they need to, fill those holes not by moving on like look if Elliot's there at eight amazing I would love to get him if you know if if someone else falls if, if Miles Jack or Miles Jack falls which you probably won't but if you know I'll take I'll take Vernon Hargraves I'll take Ronnie Stanley that's like I'm I mean, okay people, with those guys that's what I was getting at besides besides Zeke well what would you give up for those guys Zeke, nothing because I'm you're, you're just waiting I'm, no, for my, one of those guys to fall I'm saying I'll take whichever I get at eight is okay. my point. Like okay. I'm, I, this team has more holes than than how much I like one of those guys. I think Jalen Ramsey is probably my favorite player in the draft, and I wouldn't even trade up to get him wow. because I just think that this team has too many holes. Look, if you can get a great deal, great. Like obviously, if you get a if you get some team that just doesn't that is is stuck in the three spot and and Tunsil and Wentz go one two and they just don't you know who is it the Chargers there I believe if if they just don't want Ramsey and and they just don't feel comfortable and they like maybe they like Hargraves better who knows and they and you can get a great deal sure but my point is is I just think this team has a lot of needs to fill over the next couple of years with younger players that they can, that can grow and, and I'm not willing to give it up I'm not willing to give up those assets those future players for any of these guys there's not someone i'd like enough unless it's a you know a deal that blows me off the table uh well here's a hypothetical for everybody because this has been brought up and we were talking about uh that with uh with ben uh in just a, in just a little bit here if you can this comes from uh, matt gumbrecht our, our good friend over there who listens in every week if you could move back matt and guarantee that you can get dachshund and dixon but you'd lose out on Zeke. Would you do that? Yeah, but I don't think that would be something you could possibly guarantee. No, yeah, I don't think so either. 
like, and like I've, to move back for me, it seems like back up again, right? Yeah, and it seems and it seems to me like every year there's like a guy who everyone's like, this guy is phenomenal. Take him at seventy five, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that I don't think that's how this works. You know, like I, I'm trying to remember who these guys have been in the past. I feel like Eric Rowe was maybe one of those guys. Uh, I'm trying to think like in the years past, there's always been this guy where it's like, oh, he is going to be a steal in round three, and like, guess what? He goes at the beginning of round two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so, like, I feel like that this year is Kenneth Dixon. Like, I've been hearing about Kenneth Dixon for a long time because I listen to a lot of Fran Duffy. But um, he is good. And, like, I don't I don't know where people thought, like get off thinking, like, oh, well, like, this guy, he's good. Um, but he's not, like, you know, one of the 85 best players in this draft. Like, no, like, I don't think that's how it works. If this guy's really good, like, there's no way, unless we were trading back to get – you know, and somehow ended up with like the 35th pick in addition to the who was the other guy you said? Uh, Doxon. Doxon. Yeah. So if you end up with like the 35th pick in addition to the 17th pick and that's like I don't well, I don't know who has those two picks, but it's probably not the same person. And it's probably also not worth eight. Like, I just don't feel like that's a guarantee you could make. So I'm going to go ahead and not answer that question. <laughs> well, uh, before I get to James's answer on uh, a couple of more questions. And uh, he can't join us for the full show, but uh, at least a good chunk of it, because uh, you know, some, sometimes you got to get a tux ready to go. Sometimes you need to do cabaret for the weekend, which is which is coming up. As uh, our draft, our lead draft writer, Mister Ben Natan, uh, joins us right now. Ben, what's happening? Not man? much. Tonight's our uh, tonight's our invited dress rehearsal. We have to extend uh, the weekend basically because the the shows sold out so quickly. So well, we there have you a. Go. We have a sold-out dress rehearsal tonight. And you're not you're not panicked at all, which I'm sure. Uh, I'm 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 chilling right now. <laughs> I tell you what, some people are panicking. We'll get to it in a little bit. Some people are actually panicking about the QB visits, and that's what uh, you know we were chatting with earlier. But uh, more so, I I know that there are a couple of people out there that you know want to just hear the top eight prospects from our good friend Brett Marzak, who wrote into the show. We really appreciate the idea, and I think that's a good idea. So let's let's start there. Uh, because I know that there's, I think there's, well, first of all, let's just be honest for a second. I think people just get, like we were saying before, is just people get so stuck on the first round that they kind of forget how good these guys are. Are they really worth those picks? So I think that's a pretty good idea. Ben, we're going to start with you and basically your top eight here. Who who are, regardless of need, position, anything else, who is your top eight guys in this draft? Well, my top player is Zico Elliott. I think I've made that pretty clear on Twitter and in this radio show. And all the articles I've written, I think he's the best player in the draft. I think he's the most valuable player in the draft. Um, he can bring a Le'Veon Bell type element to a, to a team, both as a receiver and a runner and a blocker, just really a do-it-all football player. And when you're when he can get the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a game, I don't see how any other players as valuable, even a quarterback, because the quarterbacks aren't as talented um, as of quarterbacks as he is as a running back. I mean, we're talking about as someone who could be a top 10, top five running back their rookie year in the NFL. And I think that's incredibly valuable for a football team. Um, number two, Miles Jack out of UCLA, just a, a special Type of athlete at the linebacker position and I, I think we're seeing with this with the Seattle Seahawks with the Carolina Panthers and uh, even with the Denver Broncos how important it is to have athletes at the linebacker position and I think Jack can have that Luke Keekley have that that Bobby Wagner type of impact on a on a defense where he's just making it so easy um, to cover he, he's covering the middle of the field so easy so seamlessly that it's just making it easier on the defensive backs to cover their zones and it's just a, a really 
he kind of creates a symbiotic element on a defense where it just makes it easier for the rest of the secondary to cover because he's covering so much ground and, and you're never going to take him off the field because he can, he can cover the slot. He can, you know, he can even cover outside, but you're going to be able to stick him on tight ends on third down and really not worry about him on any down because he can defend the run as good as anyone, but he's also just an absolutely incredible athlete in coverage and uh, great instincts as well. You know, it's kind of interesting too, because this week San Diego actually worked him out as a safety. And I thought that I was just like, well, you know, we had talked about that a little bit ago. What a kind of a waste that would be. <laughs> you know, yeah, but he can do it. It's just like, eh, yeah, yeah, sure. Of course he can. I think he could do it. And I think he could actually be a pretty good safety. But you're eliminating the the relative advantage he has as a linebacker with the speed he has. Because you're moving him further away from the ball. You're dealing with faster players. You're dealing with players who are moving more at their top speed when you get to that level of the field. And I, while I think he can do it, it really just mitigates the advantage he has as a linebacker. And because he can play linebacker really well, why would you take him out of that position, I think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's at, uh, who's at number three for you? And then I'll, I'll throw my, my hat into the ring there. Yeah. Uh, number three is Jalen Ramsey, the FSU defensive back. I think another just really special athlete and he's had experience playing safety, playing corner. And, and when he was playing safety, they really moved him around. He could play, you know, the deep middle of the field. He'd be very good in deep coverage, great athlete, great range, great recognition, but he can also play close to the box and kind of play as a linebacker where he's just really, really instinctive, um, very physical, great tackler. Yeah. You know, he can get over a little bit over aggressive and, and give up some plays, but just the plays that he's able to create as a defensive player are, really special and i think the sky's the limit for him and, and similar to jack where he's been moved around so much during his college career if you can find one spot for him in the nfl and just let him grow into that spot you have yourself a very very special football player and this is and on top oh sorry go ahead ben. no it's fine and i just want to say on top of that he just has this really great mentality and you love to see football players who are constantly trying to make a mental midget out of their opponents and uh ramsey talks a ton of crap on every down, he's going to hit you and he's going to let you know how much he hit you. And it's, you want that kind of swagger come to your uh, come to your defense, come to your football team. I think that Ramsey has a lot of the intangible things you'd want from a football player on top of just being an outstanding athlete, an outstanding football player. Yeah, and I think he's got a little bit of uh, Eric Rowe syndrome where, again, I think he would be great at safety. I think he would be fantastic there. I really do see him as a corner, though. I think he can play there. I think he's got the mentality for it, just like Ben was saying, which is why he's actually my number two guy. And I have, I just have Zeke at three. I go Jack one, Ramsey two, Zeke three, which is really splitting hairs, to be honest. I mean, between those guys, that's where I think that's where I'd have them ranked. I think I'm more on the Zeke train because he's going to be in the realm of possibility there unless, you know, uh, my my dark horse here is that Dallas takes him, and I've been saying that for a while. I know that's been a, a semi-popular opinion that's been coming through here. I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen at the top. I think regardless of, yeah, we might not think that this draft class is overall that special, but it also means I'm not really sure. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know. This is the first time in a while that, like, Cleveland, you can pretty much lock in Wentz because you've heard that all along. You don't really know what Tennessee's going to do. They could trade out. They could take Tunsil. They could take Ramsey. They could do. They could pretty much do anything. I think it would be silly for them even to pass up on Miles Jack. I think it would be silly for any top five team to do that. But it could happen, you know. So there's there's all those things there. Do you agree with that, Ben? This is kind of, even though it's not like a, a maybe because it's not a special class, we have no idea where what's going to happen. It's similar to last year, I think, where there is there's no clear cut like blue chip talent where there's no like Andrew Luck, there's no Jadavion Clowney. So you kind of wonder who, where the top teams are going to go. And I actually, I have a theory that that Cleveland might actually not go with a quarterback. I think they're 
trying to stockpile the best talent available and maybe tank a little bit because they have like their new analytics guys. We know how much analytics guys are into stuff like that, but yeah. who knows? That's, that's just a theory of mine. And I mean, you saw with last year, I thought the two best players in the class last year were Vic Beasley and Leonard Williams, and they both fell past the fifth pick. Yep. So it's very likely that happens again because NFL teams are stupid. And then there's a reason that teams picking in the top five are picking in the top five. So God willing, some of them screw up again. So one of these top, you know, I think, I think the top four players in this class are blue chip immediate starter, immediate impact starter type of guys. So I'm hoping that, you know, some of these top teams just completely screw it up. Yeah. And we, cause I remember that on draft night, which by the way, don't forget as we, we, we keep reminding everybody April 28th, Thursday, Nick's roast beef, Nick's roast beef, Cotman Avenue, 2201, Meet us there because you're going to get the full full gamut of Ben Natan live. And I remember just laughing hysterically at Washington, even though even though it was my guy from Iowa, <laughs> you know, and they they pass up on that. The Jets go and and get the, and take care of business there. That's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for the same thing here. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping Dallas takes, you know, Wentz or something and or in like San Diego takes Buckner and you yeah. know, just it's just something something like that to happen because if the Eagles can get any of these top three or four guys, they will be in good. I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, and I think the the uh, the Buckner kind of movement has been happening the past couple of weeks too. Uh, and I'll, we'll just say the, uh, he's definitely not in either one of our top eight or top ten at least for now. I I enjoy the hands, I enjoy his game, but I just don't see. Again, I don't see a top 10 pick there, too. A lot of people have been starting to ask about that this week. But we'll get into that in just a second. Give me four, five, and six on your board here, Ben. Uh, four, five, and six. At four, I have Laramie Tunsil, the very talented Ole Miss tackle. Just great athlete. Nasty as hell. You know, good technician. I saw earlier in this week that uh, some people were throwing out some Greg Robinson type of comparisons with him. Where, of course, Greg Robinson was this really dominant athlete at Auburn. Just in a very, very violent type of football player and made a lot of, you know, nasty blocks. And everyone was like, wow, this guy is going to be really special. And sure, he has the potential, but to this point, he hasn't been special by any means. He's actually been quite bad. Uh, and that was a worry I had with him when he was coming out of Auburn. And people are making that comparison with him and Tunsil. I don't see it at all. I think Tunsil's a much um, cleaner football player. I think he, he just kind of understands the game, the nuances of the game. A better technician, everything like that. So I think you're getting a much more polished player with with Tunsil, not the same athlete as Robinson, but still a very good athlete and a guy who can come in and 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 be an impact tackle for a team very quickly and end up being a top five guy down the line. Um, and number five, Vernon Hargraves, the the Florida corner. People kind of get worried with the with his height. I'm I'm not. I'm not worried. I think he has, you know, he, he does a good job compensating at the line with, you know, good, good hands, uh, very, very good footwork. And he's also very nasty, you know, 5'10", 200 pounds. So very thickly built, strong football player. It loves to get in receivers faces, does a good job in man coverage, does a better job playing with the ball in front of him, um, where he can just kind of recognize click and close and, and he can make plays in the ball. And I think that he can come in, just bring a really great mentality to a football team, as well as bringing a guy to a football team who can turn the ball over, create plays on defense. Number six is uh, is Sheldon Rankins, the, the Louisville tackle, another outstanding athlete, tested very well at the combine, 
and a, a really, really good pass rusher. I thought he was being kind of used out of position when when he was at Louisville. They were using him uh, as a two-gapping player for a lot of the time, which was just a waste of his explosiveness. But even then, he was able to create a lot of disruption. Uh, and when they were allowing him to just kind of single gap and shoot and you know shoot forward, yeah. he was he was a beast and just, and really really difficult to handle. And if you get him in a situation where you're just letting him play the three, te- I mean, he and he can play the one technique spot too because he's he's done it. But if you're getting him in a situation where he can just play that three technique, uh, you know, sixty percent of the time he's on the field and, and just get after the passer, you're gonna have a you know, have a hell of a problem. And I, you know, I've been talking about he's the a sleeper pick, or at least he's a pick that I wouldn't mind at eight if you know Hargraves and Jack and Zeke were gone. Um, because just the the idea of putting him next to Fletcher Cox is so, um, oh god, it's so enticing yes. that you you just need to do something like that because that could, that's what takes your defensive line to the next level. So I'm a really big uh, Sheldon Rankins fan, and I know that there's a lot of people that like cringe at that. You know, they don't. It's like, oh god, how can he have a how can he have a, essentially a backup because Benny Logan's there? And look, that, I mean, it doesn't. This is what we've been saying for a long time. Make the defense. Special if it's there, you know. If the, if every single one of these guys is off the board, Sheldon Rings can play, man. And that's what I'm saying. Like Ben's uh, pointing out the spark score. Like there's a he's very athletic, dude. He, he and and again, if you're gonna have, if you're really gonna sell me on Connor Barwin being in those thirty looks, you can certainly certainly have room for Sheldon Rings there. That's what I'm saying. I know it's completely uh, opposite positions of what they play there, but there's there's opportunities to be made there. I actually think he might be a. Uh, it could be a slightly better pass rusher than Benny Logan. Regardless, you, you to have that rotation in there um, is is great. Like there isn't a lot of depth behind there. You know, you forget that like Bo Allen is is pretty much useless now. You had the, the fact that they're they're pro- you know Taylor Hart is probably useless right now. You don't have much there. The front four has always been great, but there's nothing behind it. And what's to stop you from getting? An even better, even better rotation. Like that's insane to me that people are like, oh my god, how could you have a guy that's uh, you know is is going to be a backup? You're going to have a guy that's going to be a backup the, the whole way here if you select pretty much any one of these except for running back for the most part. You know, I don't think anybody's going to take over at safety corner. Maybe I, I guess is the other one that you can have there, but you know, you you don't have that luxury again. You don't have that luxury of being so picky of just like, well, he's going to be a backup. It doesn't matter. He's a great player. He's a great athlete. Ben, who's uh, rounding out your list here? Um, at number seven, I have my my big man crush of the the draft, Corey Coleman out of Baylor. I think that Corey Coleman offers this special type of dynamic on the field where you can get the ball to him at any level of the field. You know, on screen passes, on on uh, reverses, or just short passes, even down the field as a deep threat, or as even as a red zone threat. But at any level of the field, he offers this home run ability where he can score. Uh, in any kind of game, he's a he's a small you know he's a smaller guy. He's five eleven or five ten you know two uh, hundred ninety five pounds ish, um, but he can play the the big game you know dominating the catch point in the red zone stuff like that. Big plays down the field and also kind of play that small game where he's able to work that intermediate and kind of get yards after the catch. He's a very very versatile, multi talented wide receiver. Where you know he doesn't have Laquan Treadwell's size, and he doesn't have Sterling Shepard or you know Josh Doxson's polish, but there's just such ability there, and such a great mentality mindset. Where I think he's going to be able to, you know, you get him on the field, start throwing him the ball, and he's going to start handing you touchdowns. I think he's a really, I think he has a really special skill set that not 
any water, any other wide receiver in the slots. Yeah, I would actually, and this is the only difference uh, again between me and Ben is I, I am actually sliding him up to where Hargraves is at five. I think Corey Coleman might be the fifth best player all around, and then everybody down from there is, uh, is is in order. So I have Coleman, then Hargraves, then Rankins, and number eight again, another Ohio State guy who by the way, has been just kind of all over the map here. First, he was like the no-doubt number one pass rusher. Then people are saying, well, he can't really get around the edge that well. And then he's like, yeah, but neither could J.J. Watt. And look at how dominant he is and everything. So why is Bosa at at eight for you? I think that, yeah, Bosa has become underrated at this point. Yeah. And I understand some questions with him because he's not this this amazing, pure, like, bend-the-edge type of pass rusher but he's still incredibly physical with a very high motor strong good athlete very aware so you draft him and you're kind of getting uh you're getting like a cameron jordan type of player who's just going to be a really stout front seven player who you can kind of move around in the formation and he's going to offer you you know good setting the edge good run defender and you can move him around and he can get after the passer he's not going to be a, I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant pass rusher. You're never going to get like consistent double-digit sack seasons from him, but he's going to be a very, very good um, just overall defender. You know, just it's like um, this is this is not really a, a direct comparison, more of a dynamic comparison. He's similar in a way to Jason Pierre-Paul, where Pierre-Paul isn't this like elite pass rusher, but during the peaks of his career when he's had all of his fingers. Um, he's just been a very, very good edge defender. Just set the edge, defend the run, create pressure, that whole thing. And if you can put him on a defensive line where you have some other playmakers, like he's going to be a good, just a good complementary piece, or he's going to be a good way to kind of create that production where other guys can finish it for him. So I wouldn't say he's an elite football player by any means, but he's definitely a safe pick in this draft and someone who's going to be able to, to make an impact on the defense very quickly. Yeah, and I agree, and really Ben summed that up uh, the best. And here, here's the guy I have the question about at nine as a bonus. You have Shaq Lawson on there, and I get it. I watch him, and I say, wow, that you know, I mean, especially when you and, – and, and do me a favor. Go look at his game versus Ronnie Stanley, and you tell me if you still want Ronnie Stanley. I've seen some awful arguments of, of why that was uh, uh, actually a good game for him, and it's and it's horrendous, and I don't understand it. I get the appeal of Shaq Lawson. I think he's explosive. I think he's, you know, I I, I wouldn't mind him at all anywhere around this range. I, I do agree with it. I, I just feel like, I, I don't know. You think, I, I, I maybe it's just me, but my tummy feels weird with him at nine. Like, is he the ninth best player in this draft, really? Like, I, I, I then then you're going to ask me, well, who would you take over? And again, I don't have a good answer for it either, but I, I definitely get the appeal I, you know, like what makes him just under Bosa, I guess, on your list? Well, the first thing you need to, to look at, I think, is the the athletic measurables because um, this kind of thing, which I am, uh, he was one of the only players in the class to actually be to pass um, Justice Mosqueda's threshold for the force players uh, for defensive linemen, which is uh, just this this formula that justice mosqueda who works for he works for bleacher report and also writes at wrote a world a little bit and he also writes for playmaker mentality which um, is you can plug that too aren't you uh, part which of is world? a website that 
um, me, him, and, and a few other guys were put together a few months ago to kind of talk about football and, and also talk about culture around football and just culture in general, politics, stuff like that. Uh, great website. You should go check it out, playmakermentality.com. Um, but uh, Justice made this formula a couple years ago, and it's a predictor formula, an, an athletic predictor formula for defensive linemen, front seven players, and it's especially uh, accurate with edge defenders, which Shaq Lawson is, and he passes all the thresholds in order to make um, being a force player. So I, I think that's it, that that in itself is something to be intrigued about. But also, you look at the tape, and you know very physical the, the athleticism shows on tape he can move around he can bend the edge he can power through guys um he, he actually reminds me a little bit of preston smith's from last year uh the mississippi state defensive end who i was a huge fan of and, and had a very strong rookie season in washington so i think you're a little bit banking on the athleticism to pay off but i think at this even at this point he, he still provide he's still a very good football player he has some issues with leverage mostly that's probably his biggest uh, downfall is he, he tends to let blockers get into his body a little bit too much um and get high in his stance and everything like that but overall he's just the athleticism and some of the splash plays you see from him it's it's very very enticing and in a class that has so few elite athletes like that it's worth taking taking a bet on him uh, and just pivoting over here, uh, the other thing that hasn't been talked about, and for good reason, is this tight end class. And the uh, Eagles have been working out some guys there. Uh, Steven Anderson is one from Cal, uh, I believe. And then uh, Kajusta from Stanford, who is also there, worked as a wide receiver. He's got good speed. I don't really see him as a wide receiver in the NFL. I think he would be a great tight end. Obviously, I think he runs somewhere in the 4, 5, 4, 6 range uh and there is a there's a lot of good speed there's not a ton of burst so uh, tell me why this tight end class is so bad first of all if there's any reconciliation of that there uh and what do you think of uh Kajusta in i i've only watched a couple of, of uh, tapes on him so where, where do you see him fitting in the nfl first of all well with Kajust, you're probably looking at uh, did i throw an uh at the end for no reason Kajust, right i apologize yes. yeah no, it's fine. Um, with Kajus, you're probably getting an H-back type of guy who, or just a move tight end, a big slot receiver. You know, he, he's not a great blocker, so you're not going to depend on him as an inline guy, and he's not even that big. I think he's like 235 or something like that. But if you're using him as like a big slot receiver where you're matching up, him up on linebackers or, you know, he's probably he's faster than linebackers and he's going to be bigger than slot corners. So you could use him as a matchup problem like that but he's not going to be an outside nfl wide receiver um he had like a weird combine though where he had this like ridiculous three cone drill that does not show up on tape at all so i'm kind of i'm, I'm looking for it um because i'm always interested to see if that stuff ever actually shows up on tape but he's not he's not an nfl outside wide receiver you're going to look at your, your big slot receiver or he's a move tight end yeah no i i agree i think he'd be i think he'd be great, great at tight end uh, regardless of the fact that he can't really block that well. But I tell you, a guy who can block really well, and that's another guy that they have had a workout with. I'm, I was surprised that they kind of went this way because I look at this guy as, and I think Ben does too, as more of a day three, even a, a you know a UDFA type of guy. Uh, David Morgan from the University of Texas, San Antonio, is literally a tree trunk with hands. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's about it. He's slow. Uh, he's a great blocker. 
and he can catch the ball. Like he even, I even went back because I, I didn't know much about him. I listened to an interview that he did on his pro day, which was uh, on the 22nd of March. And he's saying, yeah, I'm not Jimmy Graham. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these. I'm not Rob Gronkowski. I'm the guy that runs the five yard out and you hit me. I'm, you know, the 10 yard out, you hit me or the in. Uh, and we started watching his tape a little bit. And of course the first, the first play that we see is just a, a really bad drop. But after that, I mean, he is a guy that you could. I, I could definitely see the, uh, the the appeal here, where you know he he's just so dominant at the catch point versus those cornerbacks uh, and linebackers, and and he'll crush you like he's like Derrick Henry tight end type of guy. <laughs> like he's very limited in what he can do, but what he does, he does very well. Yeah, and I I, I see that as well. He's not going to get a lot of separation. You're not going to probably ask him to play on the outside very much, but he's an outstanding blocker, very high effort, very strong. He's low to the ground. He's thick. So he has that advantage as a blocker. I mean, if people want to guard, you know, give him a lot of pizzas and see if he can get up to 270 <laughs> or something like that. I mean, I don't know, but he's, uh, and as a pass catcher, you're not, yeah, you're not going to ask him to be any kind of dynamic pass catcher, but those five yard safety valve check down type of plays and, and, you know, and he can make plays in traffic too. He just, uh, it's kind of cool to see a guy who just doesn't kind of give a shit about his own body as a football player. He's just willing to go up and get it. And after the catch too, just run into, he has that Selleck type of mentality for sure, where he's just going to run through guys. So it is weird to see them bring him in for a visit at this point. He looks like a priority free agent type of player. He just doesn't look like a – he's not a great athlete by any means and not a dynamic pass catcher. But, I, you know, I'd be totally cool with them bringing him in. I think that he has a, a valuable skill set. So we know that Peterson is is very – infatuated with more classic type of football tropes from football from from guys so if he like that tough blocker type of tight end probably really uh rustles his jimmies in a good way so you know let's party yeah no absolutely absolutely that's uh and we, i even saw him in a couple of looks that was uh let's see what was that game we were watching ben damn it uh for arizona so we we're watching arizona for a little bit and there were some sets where <clears throat> i'm gonna look around when i say this Kind of lined him up as a fullback, too. So that's where I could see. And there is a definite size difference between Trey Burton and, and David Morgan. So I, I understand the appeal. Um, I think it could be interesting. And that's definitely a name to kind of look out for going forward. Ben, we know you got to run, my friend. But uh, we always appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, any any final draft thoughts this week? Is there anything uh, good, annoying, or anything anything otherwise that you need to get off your chest this week? Um, well, I've been off Twitter for about a week, so I haven't really been seeing all of everyone's hot takes. But a week ago, <laughs> I did see someone say that I'm not going to name names because I want to be professional. But uh, I did see someone say that they would trade Marcus Mariota for the rights to draft Carson Wentz. <laughs> what? what? And um, the, this is, it was it was a well-respected person said this. And I'm just going to say that if you're going to if you're going to trade away a quarterback who, one, you turn down three first-round picks to draft, um, two, has already proved at the NFL level that he can play at a very high level. Uh, Marcus Mariota had a very strong rookie season despite playing on a dogshit Tennessee Titans team. Um, and you're going to trade that football player away not only to draft an FCS quarterback who hasn't even started 25 games at the FCS <laughs> level, but give up the rights to draft a Jalen Ramsey or a Laramie Tunsil or Ezekiel Elliott or, a, you know, any of those elite players 
if a team did that, they should be disbanded and their ownership should be fired into the sun. Yeah, everybody just quit football at that point. Yeah. <laughs> like, you honestly would – I don't understand that at all. It, I, I, it was it was one of the hottest takes I've ever seen, and it gave me diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Brent, we appreciate the time, bud. We'll catch up with you next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, James, I don't think yeah, – you know, trading back is not an option – in the first round, I, and again, I've been saying it for a long time. I think the third round, if anything, is where you're gonna where you're gonna end up doing it. You know, I, you're either gonna moving up, moving up or moving down is all gonna happen on day two, uh, and it, it just depends on whether or not they want to have an exciting day three along with it and just have a plethora of different offensive linemen picks that will just be plucking out here, or they want really find somebody towards the end of the second round. And, you know, Matt was saying earlier, like there's always that there's always that guy that's great and ends up going uh, way earlier than everybody's projection. I think Byron Jones was actually the guy. Uh, you know, it went from like workout worried to like, oh yeah, it'd be great. He'll be there in the second or third. And yes, them, you know? yeah, so that's a good one too. Uh, and it's always like six of them. You know, it's like just tons and tons of hype, and then like that actually translates to draft position. And I don't know what the hell you guys are talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's 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 just a lot of there's I, I think there's just I, I don't know. I don't really know what my point is in this. It just seems like a lot of uncertainty, but everybody's like, everybody is sure of the top eight picks. Everybody's sure of that. And everything else is like, there's there's going to be great, uh, uh, I don't know, better stuff than what's there from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And there's that amount of talent in, you know, three, four, five. I could only really say about that about the quarterbacks, but is there is there somebody out there that you think could be better than what they and might end up picking in the top 10 here? All right, Reggie Raglan. Uh, I, I mean, all the guy did was make play after play after play after play after play after play after play at Alabama. And, you know, I feel like we see it a lot with these kind of Alabama guys where they kind of get downgraded a little bit as as a system guy or or as, you know, kind of the product of, of you know, Saban and, and the defense and whatnot. But I, and Raglan, I, he's not maybe the most athletic, but. I just think he's just going to be a guy who plays for, you know, barring injury, of course, plays in the league for, for a decade and just makes, you know, 150, 200 tackles every year. And is just a beast, you know, and I, I don't, I don't think he's getting that kind of proper credit as, as, as a, as a really safe, safe pick. I, I just don't see many ways that this guy doesn't have, a, have some success in the league. Um, so uh, he's someone who I think could, could be a little bit better than that. What, you know, late teens or mid teens range that, that he's going in and, and could end up being one of the most solid pr- productive guys in this draft. Yeah. I think for me, that guy, and I think you and Ben talked about this as Sheldon Rankins. Yeah. I think I see a lot of people that just sort of put him at 20 and it's like, well, why? Oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> but like to me, like that's just not the right place for him. He's, you know, and, and everybody will just say like, Oh, great. Amazing player could be like a game breaker Interior pass rush is huge. Uh, yeah, probably about 20, you know, top 20 around there. <laughs> yeah, and, and so like to me, that's the sort of thing that I think that, um, you know, that that is I think is a good example of, of this sort of effect. I think the other one that I would think about is Ryan Kelly from Alabama. I feel like every year people, you know, there's like this guy and he's the center and he's good. Um, so, you know. Uh, probably like pick 50. No, like this guy is like a really good center. Somebody, you know, in the late 20s is going to take him. Uh, I don't know if that would be I, – I wouldn't know who that could be. I mean, that could probably be – I mean, even Denver might talk about doing something like that or the the Cardinals maybe or, you know, I don't know. Uh, but somebody 
somebody's going to like look at Ryan Kelly and be like, oh, this dude's like this is like a really good center. And, you know, we we know what we have here and, and this guy fits what we want to do. So we're just going to go ahead and do that. Uh, and, you know, right now I'm just looking around like, yeah, he's like at 50. No, I don't think so. I think that's like wrong. If you listen to people talk about him and all the things he can do, like this is clearly a better uh, player than that. So just to me, I sort of think it's bizarre that we watch this stuff happen. Yeah, I think it's just, I feel the same way about Billings. Two, where it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's kind of there, he's whatever, and and, like, and you you look at him and he's just like he, I don't know, he just mushes people with his with his upper body. And he was like, ah, oh, I don't like his pass rushing skills as much. So it's just like it doesn't matter. He can maul guys over. Like there's, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot of good players um, that that are around there that that would be probably just as worthy uh, up there. Um, and that kind of contradicts some of the stuff that I'm saying with Ben, but it's it's kind of true. I just think it, overall, uh, well, not necessarily. I think overall this draft is just kind of very, it's a little meh. And, and I think especially with the defensive tackles that kind of get lost in the shuffle, who we constantly keep saying that it's probably the strongest in the class, you know, for whatever reason, they're just, they're not, they're not higher. And maybe that's something we can get into next week. Uh, but for now, we're just going to wrap up uh, episode number 156 right here on BGN Radio. We appreciate everybody listening and tuning in as always. And once again, just rate, review, subscribe if you're out there, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, even if you're on the uh, have a podcatcher app, find, find a way. We would uh, very much appreciate it. And of course, just one more reminder, if you're waking up to this on uh, Friday morning and it's before 5 o'clock Eastern time, there is a uh, pins tweet that will be on at BGN underscore radio, an easy uh, retweet and follow for a $25 gift card to the Eagles pro shop. And just as we are saying this, Niall Davis traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. It is official for a low mid round undisclosed pick. We will have more information on this. Obviously keep tuned to bleeding and we will Try and update this as far as we can go, but now that kind of changes the Ezekiel Elliott discussion. And man, Niall Davis getting the worst, getting the worst running back from the Chiefs. This should end well. Uh, that's going to do it for myself, John Barcher, for Mr. Ben Natan, James Seltzer, Matt Daring, and a big thank you to Jimmy Kemsky and Matt Lombardo for joining us. This has been episode number 156 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. Do you know? And I don't. I don't think that they'd be willing to. Uh, hold on, my wife's got home. <laughs> hey. Hi, hi, Emily. Dogs bark. Hey, Emily. They say. Hi. Uh, hold on one sec. Yeah. Uh, can you quiet them down? And then, uh, and then, yeah. How do you quiet them okay. down? <laughs> she's just gonna let. She's just getting licked, bombarded with licks. Nice. Um, okay, what was I just saying? So just start again from. I You're know. talking about football, I think.